We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Are you ready? We've, we've been waiting six weeks for this. Six long weeks we've been waiting for this. Go ahead. Go ahead. You you get to start. You get to start. All right. Here we go. What do you get when you cross a camel and a garbage truck? I, I have no idea. What do you get when you cross a camel and a garbage truck? Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty. All right, all right. All right. My turn. My turn. My turn. What, what do you get when you call a parrot? Or no, what, not what do you get. What do you call a parrot? See, six weeks, we're out of practice. I know. I know. We're getting rusty. <laughs> okay. What do you call a parrot that flew away? I don't know, John. What do you call it? A polygon. <laughs> I, I threw yeah, that in there for my wife, who's a mathematician. She loves. And yes, indeed, this is wrestling, wrestling with, the, with basics. the basics. And and who's talking? Who are you? Who this are is, you? Uh, this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark uh, from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. And I am Pastor John Lekomsky, and Matt and I have been doing this for years. And if you're wondering why we're so excited, because we put aside the dumb jokes for Lent, and now we can do them again. And I think what we had there with Humpty Dumpty and Polygon was just about as dumb as it gets. Don't you think, Matt? <laughs> I, I think that's safe to say. <laughs> we've outdone ourselves in terms of stupidity. Thank God for that. It's been a long 40 days, but finally, <laughs> finally, the jokes are back. That's right. And people can begin the countdown until the next season of Lent when they don't have to bear these jokes. <laughs> That's right. So, so here's the thing. Uh, it is the uh, first uh, week after Easter. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, Easter is supposed to change everything, Matt. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem to. <laughs> now, I don't know. Maybe your experience there at Ascension was different than my experience at Trinity and Darmstadt and St. Paul at New Athens. But I can remember at Easter, we would have just the biggest shebang you'd have all year. The choir would sing. Uh, we, we used to. We kind of fell out of that tradition, but we'd have Easter breakfast. Uh, and the Sunday school would come and, and do something special. How about your church? What, what did you do? Now, I know this is a COVID year, so things are a little different yet. But what did you guys do for Easter this year? Well, we pulled out all the stops as much as we could. So we typically have three services. So we added a fourth one this year, John. Oh, uh, my fourth goodness. service. So not one, not two, but three, four, uh, three, four services. <laughs> I'm losing track, four services. <laughs> but we added a, um, a sunrise service this year year. So we, we oh, thought cool. that, that would be good with, especially COVID, we're still trying to keep the numbers at a reasonable place. Um, so we did that. Uh, the other thing that was a little different this year is we allowed for some overflow. So we did a live stream of our worship audio and video in our fellowship hall for anyone that was overflow. We don't want to send anyone home on Easter Sunday, but it's not ideal, but still maybe the next best thing. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we had the, the choir and uh, our bell ringers. And this year, because of COVID, they just sang and rang from their pews, just where they were seated. So oh, cool. we thought, hey, that's a safe, easy way to do it. Uh, so it was still a great celebration and still something special. 
Yeah, and that's what our choir did as well, so we can maintain uh, the social distancing. And, and you know, the sunrise service, uh, years ago, we used to do that at, at, at Trinity in St. Paul. And just think about it. What, what if you would go up to a committee and say, hey, I've got an idea where we could boost church attendance. Let's have a service at, what, what time was your service in the morning? 630 yeah, let's have a service at 6.30 in the morning. And, of course, they just look at you and say, are you crazy? But, but yeah, Easter, people people would do that. But the frustration was, Matt, that come the next Sunday, then everything would be like normal or maybe even less than normal. Uh, and, and, in fact, that would be the pattern as we would move towards summer. You know, attendance would begin to slow down. And, and uh, it was like Easter came and went and, and nothing really changed. Now, has that been your experience or you had a different experience? Yeah, I mean, sadly, yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think you top Easter Sunday um, attendance wise. I mean, that's the big one. Easter Sunday and Christmas Eve, certainly. And that is sad because Easter isn't just a one-time event, right? It's a present reality we live in. We live in the reality of a resurrected Savior that we're connected to in baptism. And for that joy to be able to continue beyond just that single Sunday, that's what it's about, right? Uh, Every Sunday, every time we gather in worship, every day of our lives, uh, and for all eternity. But yeah, uh, sadly, that's what we see too, John. Uh, The Sunday after Easter is not as well attended as the Sunday of Easter. That is safe to say. So what Matt and I want to do today is we want to show you why it is, uh, as my good friend and your good friend Herb Miller used to say, Easter changes everything. Even though it may not seem like that, certainly in the eyes of pastors all around the world. But but the fact of the matter is whether we see that it has changed everything, uh, again, as, as dear uh, sated Herb Miller would say, it has changed everything. And we plan to do that, uh, not by giving you our opinion, but by sharing with you some of our favorite stories about the resurrection. Uh, Matt, I, I don't want to uh, take c- control here, but could I just share my my favorite story real quick? Yeah, because and right I've ahead. shared it before, so we don't want to spend a lot of time about it. But but my favorite story always was the gospel of Mark and the account of Easter. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're one of those oddballs, John. That's uh, not usually people's favorite. But but yeah, go ahead. Well, and I like it because this is how it ends. Yeah. Well, maybe it doesn't because there's an argument that maybe we lost the last page of Mark or something. Did they not take care of their books back then, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It's our gospel. Wouldn't you think somebody said, oh, oh don't lose that last. Well, whatever. Here's, here's what we know for sure. It ends, and they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. <laughs> this is the gospel of the Lord, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait a second. So, yeah, but, why is this your favorite, John? Well, precisely because that's exactly how it is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were to judge from the externals, it's like Easter came and, and it didn't change anything. They still were full of doubts. They still were trembling. They had fear. In fact, you, you, you're going to talk about Matthew's gospel, but that's one of my favorite passage in Matthew's gospel. It says, and some doubted. <laughs> yeah. And this is well after he's shown himself who knows how many times. Uh, so, So my point is, if it is true that Easter comes and it seems like things haven't changed, yeah, that's pretty much how it is, okay? Nothing new. Uh, and, and we are reminded that faith is hope in the things that are not seen. 
So we shouldn't be surprised if if maybe we don't see a lot of external changes uh, after the church celebrates Easter, because faith is hope in the things that are not seen. So anyway, that that's always been my favorite because that's my experience, Matt. Troubles, trials, crosses, struggles, you name it, they continue on after Easter. But it doesn't mean that Easter hasn't changed everything, even though it doesn't even though we can't see those changes all yeah. the time. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, what, you know, what do you, go ahead, Matt. Just I'm a sorry. comment about what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if Easter does change everything, I mean, really, uh, the Christian faith hinges on Easter, on Jesus' resurrection. And I think that one of the things I do like about Mark's account that you just pointed out is it's just so real. I mean, if, if you are making up this story, if you're making up the resurrection, if it's, if it's a fake thing that Jesus' followers are just fabricating— you're not going to end the account, I don't think, in that way, right? <laughs> you know, yes, the trembling yes, no. and astonishment had seized them. I mean, certainly, you would you would make up something a little more flashy and and catchy, but I think that attests to the fact that now this is a firsthand account, and this truly is real. <laughs> Easter is real, and it it is. It's it's gritty, and uh, there is fear, there is trembling, and uh, that's the way life is. And and what's cool about the gospel account in Mark is the tomb is empty, <laughs> okay? So they're not leaving in fear and trembling because they came down there, oh, there's the body, he's still dead. <laughs> no, no, there's no doubt he's resurrected. But see, the, the, the emotional impact, the personal impact, it still is yet to be completely absorbed. And yeah, that's true. That's true for a lot of people even this day. And that's uh, and I think that's what's most important is that as you look at the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them end with an empty tomb. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. uh, that's what's important. And they may emphasize different things. And they may share different perspectives. And certainly they're writing to different audiences, right? Uh, but in the end, the tomb is empty. Christ is risen. And that's what matters. Well, yeah, and in fact, if I could quote Paul on that, he says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if the tomb isn't empty, people, you wasted your time going on Easter, little less whether you'd go the Sunday after, except, of course, on Easter. Did you have a breakfast, Matt? Will you have a breakfast? <laughs> we usually breakfast? do. Not this year, but usually, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, then why even bother to go? But anyway... <laughs> I always went for the homemade caramel rolls. That's what I was in it for. Well, that's pretty good motivation, let me tell you. It is, yeah. Donuts, that's all we need. Donuts. Oh, all right, I'm off track. What what passage do you like, Matt? <laughs> all right. Uh, well, let's go to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah. yeah I figured you're nepotism. Yeah, you're Matthew, Matthew, right? That's a nice name. Yeah. Yeah, must it be is a good a guy. Nice. <laughs> so the, the Gospel of Matthew, so it's the last chapter of Matthew, Matthew 28, and I thought we could okay. read through that uh, and uh, dig a little deeper into this account of the resurrection that Matthew presents before us. Uh, so, And, and you yeah, know, Matthew kind of gets left out. You know, Mark gets talked a lot about because of the oddity of the ending. John, of course, is the the non. I don't know if I said that right. I mean, that's the big, big resurrection story. Yeah. Uh, and and Luke, of course, gets in there with the disciples in Emmaus. But we don't we don't do a lot of Matthew. So okay, go ahead. So we're, what? Yeah, yeah. I think there's just some neat things that are unique to Matthew's. Uh, each gospel has things that are unique to it when it comes to the resurrection account. But Matthew certainly has some unique features too. And I'll try to. Point those out a little as we go along here, but let's let's read verses one through three, if you could, for us, John. 
Sure. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. Yeah, so I, I think a couple interesting things here already. Uh, one is there's an earthquake. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so that's kind of cool. I love that, that, that detail that Matthew shares with us because his gospel is also the gospel that just a chapter earlier— as Jesus is dying on the cross at his death, what happens? There's an earthquake. Earthquake, right? Yeah, the earth shook. Shaking things up. Yeah, Shaking the, the, the up. earth yeah. shook, the rock split, it says in chapter 27 at his death, and the tombs were opened. <laughs> oh, and, wow. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, I you know, we don't we don't dwell on that too much to sort of sometimes called the mini resurrection or this pre-resurrection that uh, even at Jesus' death, there's this remarkable shaking of the earth and even some are raised. I mean, that's that's mind-blowing. Uh, and what that looked like and, and what happened following that, we just, we don't have the details, frankly. But that is interesting that uh, Jesus' resurrection foreshadowed, certainly, in that earthquake and in that that smaller resurrection of some of the saints. And, and you know, I, I, I think we don't deal on that because we don't really know what to do with that, do I we, know. Matt? That yeah. seems so strange. But you're right, and it's a detail unique to the Gospel of uh, Matthew. And thank you for the connection between those two earthquakes. I hadn't thought about that So before. that's, that's kind of cool. So, you know, and there's even another place in Scripture, you know, where there's an earthquake, and, yeah, something, something big is happening. Here. This is something special. This is something significant. And the other reason we know it's something significant is because of the appearance of the... Angel, Angel, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, especially in the Gospels, when there's something big happening, there's an angel that shows up. And we see that at a lot of those high points in Jesus' life and ministry. Uh, we see it before his birth, even. Uh, the angel, Gabriel, right, announcing his birth. Uh, we see uh, the angels uh, comforting Jesus, certainly, in the Garden of Gethsemane before his death. We see an angel now here at the resurrection. Uh, so when you see an angel appearance in Jesus' life, you know, this is a big deal. And the resurrection is the biggest of deals as he rises from the dead. So the angel appears. Now, what does the angel do? I think this is interesting, too. So this angel descends from heaven. He What does he do? He rolls the stone back yeah, and he sits ro- on it. He rolls back the stone and sits on it. Yeah. So it, what I think is kind of interesting, though, is when he rolls back the stone and sits on it, it was Jesus in the tomb at that point? No, no, Jesus is long gone. Yeah, Jesus is gone. So it's not like he rolls back the stone and Jesus is still inside and going, ta-da, <laughs> you know, here I am. Drum <laughs> um, <laughs> roll. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, so the stone, and I think it's Mark's gospel that, that you uh, reflected on earlier, that even says it's a very large stone, right? So this is a big deal. So Jesus comes back to life, and he, he just walks right through the stone, we guess. We don't get the details on that one either. But I think the point is, uh, that, that I think is kind of neat, is no stone, no tomb is going to keep Jesus in. He doesn't have to wait for an angel to come and roll it back. Uh, no, Jesus uh, <laughs> Jesus is arisen already. He's alive. And no tomb can ever 
ever keep him in. And, and you know, what I like about that story, too, is it reminds us that, that why do we have angels in the first place? Why do we even need angels? And, and, and they are. They're there to help us, protect us, watch over us. Because, of course, the problem is, like I say, Jesus doesn't need to have the stone rolled away. That's no big deal for him. You know, he's showing up in locked rooms. God help us. So, no, that, that's not an issue. But remember, you, you referenced Mark. Remember what the women say? They say, oh, we forgot. Mm-hmm. Who's going to roll the mm-hmm. stone away from us? And, of course, well, the angel already took care of that. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. Problem solved, yeah. And, and, and if we only knew that, that right now, even as you and I are speaking, there are angels, and they are literally doing all kinds of things for us. But, again, faith is hope in the things that are unseen. So you might not necessarily—well, in fact— do we know, did the women see the angel roll away the tomb? I, I don't think they did. I think the women just get there and the angel's already done that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they go okay. to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came roll back the stone. Yeah, so it looks like they may not have seen the actual rolling away of the stone. But what I think is interesting is, you know, the other role of an angel is, is a messenger. That's what the name angel uh, means yeah. in Greek is, is messenger. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens next. Uh, now the angel shares with the women a message. And I think really this message is more important than rolling away the stone, <laughs> that this is what the angel's job is at this point, is to share with them the greatest news ever proclaimed ever, that Jesus is alive. So we hear that in uh, verses four and following, if you want to read along, yeah. John. And, and before I do that, though, I, I do yeah. think it's cool that he rolls back the stone and he just kind of sits there. <laughs> 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 just waiting for him to show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No rush, no rush here. Whenever you guys get up and get down here. But you're absolutely right. It's the message that's important. Uh, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. So that's an issue, too. Yeah. I didn't think about that because the guards probably would have given him all kinds of trouble. But they're, they're not an issue now either. Uh, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. So uh, so the, the soldiers first and the guards that are there, they were put there by the, the Jewish religious leaders, by the chief priests. Uh, so they're there to guard the tomb so that Jesus' body doesn't get stolen away. And they're stricken with fear. They see an angel, it seems. They become like dead men. So, I mean, there's no doubt about it. These guards know exactly what happened. They know that this is miraculous. They know that this is not, these are not grave robbers, that this is this is something amazing happening. There's an angel there, rolls back the stone, and the tomb is empty. That's what the guards know. And then they fall down and become like dead men. A fear sees them, it says. Uh, yeah, so we have that. Then we have following that we have that announcement. Uh, he's risen, as he said, and he certainly has. I mean, you can just count up the times that Jesus said that he would not just die, but he would also rise after three days. I mean, he's specific. He tells the disciples specifically what's going to happen. And now finally, they see it fulfilled. And finally, as we'll see, they begin to start to put the earth thing together. They begin to now post Easter, finally seem to get it as Jesus' disciples, at least more than they had. Um, yeah. And, and, and what I like about this set of verses is, is uh, it explains, again, another reason why the stone needed to be rolled away so he could say to them, come see the place where he lay. So there would be no question in anybody's mind yeah. that, yeah, no, that, that the tomb is empty. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep going. I think uh, verse 7, is that where we stopped, John? Uh, 
Well, okay, yeah, but before we leave yeah, the ahead. angel, before we leave the yeah. angel, I would like to point out to you that you are an angel of God, you rascal, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. Yeah. Well, See, I, I don't think people realize that that pastors are angels from God, and it occurs to me that you do exactly what this angel does here. That the the women have some earthly physical needs, and the biggest problem is somebody's going to ro roll away the stone. Now, the irony is not because of the reason they thought. They thought they needed the stone rolled away so they could prepare the body. That's what they came there to do, which of course is just ridiculous. <laughs> okay, but you do that if someone comes to your church and they're hungry. Uh, do you say, oh, God love you, and put your hand on it and say, the Lord bless you, and send them away? <laughs> no, there's some action that's taken, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah. it help them, yeah. And, and yet the chief thing is what an angel does, as you pointed out before, they're messengers. They deliver the word of God, yeah. and that's what pastors are doing to this day. And it's the same message. That's what's incredible. The message hasn't changed. He's not here. He's risen. All right. Do you want me to continue reading? Or Yeah, yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah, and what a joy to proclaim that on Easter, that, that as a pastor, and you know, as all God's people, but especially as pastors, that, that Christ is risen, the tomb is empty, that everything has changed. That's, that's a joy, a great joy. Um, and, and, you know, now I just had another thought, too. And maybe on Easter, some people will hear that and they'll go away like the women did in Mark, where it didn't seem like it really helped or changed anything. And that's a reality for us as pastors. But on the other hand, there will be other people that will go away and their faith will be strengthened by the words that they've heard. Yeah, um, most definitely. How far? Seven to what? Well, I don't know. Well, let's just go ahead and finish the account. Uh, okay. Verse 10. Then they go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there you will see me. All right. So a couple things to point out here, I think. You know, we, in Mark, we looked at how they, they depart, and there's fear, and, yeah. and uh, you know, and, and all those things. Here, it, it talks about fear, too, in Matthew's Gospel, but it seems to be a fear tempered with joy, right? Fear and yeah. great joy. I, I like that detail. And I think that there's, there's a contrast here. So... When we read about the the soldiers, the guards falling down, right, becoming like yes. dead men, it just says that fear sees them. It doesn't say anything about joy for those guys. It's just fear no here in Matthew's gospel. Yeah. But when it comes to these women, it, it talks about both fear, no doubt about that, but also joy, great joy as well at seeing the empty tomb. So I, I think there's something to be said here maybe that um, – it, this event, the resurrection, it, it it causes just fear and terror in the enemies of Jesus. But but for his followers, for these women, it, it also is a source of joy, a source of joy too. And I think that's something that's true of of Jesus' return on the last day as well. <laughs> Jesus is going to return the last day for his followers. There's there's going to be some fear, I imagine, some awe and fear, but also joy. But for those apart from Christ, oh geez, it's just about fear. Um, so I with with faith. With, the, with that faith, um, boy, there's also a joy that's present as well. So I think a, a little bit of a contrast there between Jesus' followers and those guards that are set up there uh, who certainly weren't his followers and didn't believe that he was who he says he is. 
Yeah, major, major. That's a, that's a very, very important point. That that without the knowledge of Jesus' resurrection, and see, they don't have that knowledge. They just know that he's gone, and now we're we're up, we're up a place we shouldn't be up because, you know, we were responsible for keeping him uh, imprisoned, and now he's released. But for those that, and, and what I like about it, Matt, is we can have fear. Christians can have fear today. That doesn't nullify the fact that we also have the joy, like you said, yeah. that Jesus is risen. He's risen for us, for our sins. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then with about 30 seconds left here, John, I think the, yeah. the other word that comes up again and again and again in this account is just tell. Tell. Oh, yeah. You know, I've told you these things, now tell my brothers. So this idea that th- th- this resurrection story is meant to be told. It's meant to be told by pastors, it's meant to be told by parents, it's meant to be told by by everyone, right? This is what makes all the difference. And so that same admonition for Jesus' followers then is for us as followers today to, to tell, tell the story. Well, thank you, Matt, for telling the story. This has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, the, with basics. the Basics. <laughs>